Church is so good to have you join us this morning. It's Easter Sunday. Jesus is alive. I'm so excited that we could just chat. Uh, we could hear God's word together this morning. We could hear the preaching of His word. Um, his word is sharp and powerful, and I pray that it will accomplish what God sends it forth to accomplish. My name is Pastor Yami. If this is your first time, if you're just scrolling through Facebook or wherever you're watching us and you're like, oh, what is this guy doing? Um, I'm a pastor at Flood Church, and we exist in the Blood uh, City here in Malawi, and we just love uh, rooting our lives on who Jesus is, because Jesus is our hope. He is the rock, all other ground is sinking sand. So thank you so much uh, for joining us, or for stumbling through, and for finding us, or if you're a regular Flood, thank you so much. We love you, family. We appreciate you. And I long, honestly, I long to be with you guys, and, and I miss being with you guys, praying together, hugging, laughing, and doing life together. But in this time, uh, loving one another looks like social distancing, but not relational distancing. I just want to make sure that we are at a place where we intentionally loving and serving together. But Jesus is on the throne, whether we are sick or not. So this morning, I just want to take some time uh, to look into Scripture and to just remind us that Jesus walked into the darkest of dark so that we no longer live and build our lives in our darknesses so that we can come out of those darknesses and surrender our past, our present, and even our crazy or amazing future that's coming to a God who fully and truly loves us. So we're going to be in John chapter 11 and also I'm going to get us to be in First Corinthians chapter 15 and, and as I'm speaking... Um, the, the world is messed up, and I think even this COVID-19 has revealed how crazy it is. Not only about being sick is hard and bad, but a lot of us have had a moment of experiencing the fear of death in a tangible way. Some of us, we even notice not just the fear of death, but how selfish as human beings we can be how we can just want to accumulate stuff, how we just want to have stuff. I just want all the toilet papers for myself or whatever it is because it's me. I want to be safe. I want to. So this whole thing is revealing so much. Um, and when you come to the Bible, uh, the Bible calls that a name, um, that all this chaos is re revealing how much of a Savior we need. That in every day we try to be our own Saviors we try to create ways, we try to be good people because our good works can save us. But the Bible, literally in Isaiah, just says, man, your best and good works are actually filthy. Because when we start asking questions, we might, most of the times, if not all the times, find that the intentions for even the good things you are doing are simply selfish. So God calls who we are as people that have fallen from God, from the grace that God has given us, that Jesus sent, came to die for us so that we come to Him, that the relationship that was there but was broken because of our sin, our disobedience, our own, God, I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want, that I want to know what to do, what is right for me. I don't care what's right for other people. And when that happened, 
we became what we have become. That even in times where humanity should come together, we are just still building wars and wars and wars and we are pushing each other and just building our own small kingdoms. So for me, I, I want to say that all the things we see in the brokenness in the world point us to that one problem that Jesus came to sort out, and that's it. That we are eternally separated from God, but Jesus Christ came to pay the debt that we owed God as people created by God so that we could have a relationship that honors God but also honors humanity and allows humanity to flourish. And that's a really important thing that I want to sit on a little bit more today. So if you're just joining us and you're standing there, I just want to ask you, give us the next 18 minutes, give us uh, the next few minutes so that we can just wrestle with God's word today together. So the problem, as I was saying, uh, by the end of the day, is not just the suffering we see, but it's sometimes it cause uh, the things that cause that suffering, um, which, as I said, is uh, messed up people taking advantage of other people. Stronger people taking advantage of weaker people. So abusing their power, abusing authority, allowing corruption, allowing to destroy each other for the sake of profit, for the sake of making money, for the sake of being in charge and being in power. And by the end of the day, humanity suffers. By the end of the day, more people suffer. By the end of the day, a lot of people get hurt. So Jesus shows up to that kind of world where actually the people around him uh, that were calling him king were like, oh my God, this is the time we're going to have the king that's going to conquer the people that are oppressing us. They're going to show up and just walk into these places and make sure that we are now in charge. We also have power. In that moment, I would even use a language that we call people that are in power or have more resources than us. We call them they. And for a lot of people, honestly, that were hanging out with Jesus, they were hoping they would now become their theys, that they are now with Jesus, they now have power, they are now uh, free from all this pain and stuff like that. And Jesus completely chooses to do nothing like that. Even where he walks uh, into a city, uh, the way we say it's a triumphal entry of Jesus, he's on a donkey and he's a lowly king and all those other things, completely opposite to what was expected of him. Because Jesus didn't show up for the symptoms. He showed up for the heart of the problem. Jesus didn't show up to just fix and checklist the things that we were sad about. He came to deal with the actual thing that started all those things. And that was sin. So as we're talking, I don't want you to think that I take sin lightly. I, no, because God did not. God sent his only son to deal with that sin. Because before God, sin is not something that should be taken lightly. So this Easter, I want you to be thinking about that a little bit more. Because Easter reveals something that is important for all of us. Easter reveals what we've believed about who Jesus is. Easter uh, actually Easter invites us to question what we think about the resurrection. If this whole Jesus thing is important. That I want to make a statement that actually your life makes a statement of what you've believed about Jesus. Not what you've read, not what your family say, but what you as an individual believed about Jesus. Your life makes that statement. So as we are going, I want you to just turn to John chapter 11. Um, and, and when you read from the beginning, you hear... Um, a story of a man who was ill, his name was Lazarus, and amazing things happened there. But when you come to verse 17, 
um, you hear what Jesus had to say after his friend had died and where so much that had happened and a lot of grieving, a lot of pain, things that you and me are experiencing probably in a different way uh, today. So in verse 17, Jesus says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So you guys know four days is no good. Uh, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, and even in the words of Jesus, this is me, man, every other day. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I, this world would not be messed up if you were really God, if you were really in charge, if you were really sovereign. Literally, I, that question for me is a question that I've asked. Why is there so much evil if you are really God, if you are really this, if you are really that? And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. You know, it's like we Christians, we find ways of spiritualizing our questions. We end there all the time by the grace of God. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. It's like, I know. You've talked about stuff like that before. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again. In the resurrection, on the last day, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. And Jesus just makes a statement about how he came to not just deal with the symptoms, but he came not to only just say, I'm here, I'll forgive your sins. He came to make dead men and women alive. That unless you believe in Jesus, you won't have eternal life. You won't have life. You won't come to life. And I know this sounds really hard and brutal, but this is why Jesus is so important and crucial because we are dead people apart from being resurrected and being given life by Jesus. So Martha said, just like I've said so many times, I know you will do that someday. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And that's, that's it. I believe you, the Christ, the Son of God, is coming into the world. Now, there's so much in that, but, but in two minutes, I just want to say this. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. He's the one who truly and fully satisfied who the requirements or the sins of the world. He's the one, the lamb without blemish, the one who came and lived the perfect life. Jesus is the one who went to the cross, obeyed to like, to the T. Jesus did everything that his father told him. To the point that he would continuously say, I came to do my father's will, not even my will. Even at this moment of weakness where he was praying, God, take this cup from me. He even in that moment said, but not my will. Let your will be done. 
But Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who was sent by God to take the sins of the world, to pay for the sins of me and you fully, not just in part, so that the other part you can take care of. No, 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 Jesus came, the Christ, Son of God, born of a woman, born of a virgin woman, fully man, fully God, by the grace of God. And, and for me, every time I think about that, it's God humbling me when I try to understand and put the pieces together. Like, come on, God, what, what are you talking about? But even to believe in that, I trust it's been the grace of God for a lot of us to even put our faith in that. That believing in God, in Christ, the Son of God, requires humility. Because as a person, I want to be in charge. I want to take charge. I want to be the Lord. I want to be the God. I want to be the one who knows all things at all times and holds all things together. When it's only the Son of God. That for God to meet the needs that we had created, He had to send His own Son. Because we could not. Because sacrificing animals could not. Because by praying 24 hours could not. Because fasting could not. Because giving could not, but only his son could fully pay for the sins of the world. So Jesus came into the world. He stepped into humanity. The very things he created, the very people he created, he stepped into their reality. Lived as one of them because he was one of us, fully human. And the Bible even says he was tempted in every way, man. And, and sometimes I think, like, I'm being tempted in certain ways. I'm like, there's no way Jesus might have been tempted in this way. And I'm reminded his Lord is a high priest that fully knows what I go through, who was tempted in every way, man, in every way. Talk about money. Talk about authority. Talk about control. Talk about selfishness. Talk about ambition. Talk about goals. Talk about esteem. Talk about shame. Talk about fear. Jesus was tempted in every way. Talk about being rejected, being abandoned, being depressed, being angry. And on anger, the reason why I always say I'm a DJ is because Jesus with his squad went into a temple. Went into a temple and turned some tables. He was a turn tablist. Jesus was a DJ. Alright, I digressed, forgive me for that. But all I'm saying is, even in moments where he was angry, Jesus honored God. Even in his moment of anger. And that satisfied who God is. So my encouragement is, and I don't want you to miss that, that this whole time of Easter is about who Jesus is. Because your life whether we are aware or not, makes a statement of what we believed about Jesus is and his resurrection. It makes that statement. Now, I want us to move to another scripture. And this is going to be First Corinthians chapter 13. Um, not 13. We just finished chapter 13. But we're going to be in First Corinthians chapter 15. Um, and, I, and I want us to read a couple of verses, specifically from verse 12. Um, and then if you have your Bibles, wherever you are, I want you to go there. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is going to make some crazy claims that are important. And, and I want you to hold those dear. Because Jesus um, does not only point us to what sin is. 
which leads to condemnation, but he leads us out of that sin and leads us to freedom. So Paul is sitting in this moment and is talking about the resurrection of the dead and this is what he says. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. What? And if Christ has not been raised, then we should close the doors of flood church. Then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that there is Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that, he de he, uh, that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all, all people must be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, but a man by a man has also come resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each his own order. Christ the first fruits, and that is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God and the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. Summary. If Jesus did not die and resurrect, Christianity is empty. It's nothing. It's just crazy songs. It's just a political movement. It's just people trying to control each other. It's just it's reckless, it's worthless. Actually, you should be blamed. If Jesus was not resurrected, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then this whole thing is empty. It's nothing. We should not even do this. We should not even go. Anyway, we should not even ask people to love each other and do all this. And if Jesus is still in the grave, then we should feel sorry for each other. That we believed things that are not true. That we've wasted time when we could be party after party and do all the things that we want. That we have wasted our resources and our time and our energy on something that is empty. But, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is no longer in the grave. So your entire life hangs on that. Your entire life. In other words, you cannot live your life as Jesus is still in the grave. Jesus is no longer in the grave. Start living like that. Because by the end of the day, our entire faith hangs on this truth. 
that our Savior is no longer in the grave. Therefore, if what that means is everything Jesus said is true, then we live as Jesus says is true. Because it is true. I love some quotes with me. There's one by Tim Keller. And Keller just says this, If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of the things that he said? The issue in which everything hangs on is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. It's not whether you feel his teachings are fair, or you like them, they're sexy, or whatever it is. No, 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 no. Is did he? Is Jesus still in the grave, or not? And if he's not in the grave, then we take him at his word. We take him at his word. Jesus is no longer in the grave. If he was, you are allowed to live the way you want. But if he's no longer in the grave, you and me are supposed to live the way he wants. And, and I love how he just keeps talking about uh, everything is subject to him, and but everything is subject to God the Father. Literally, you and me and are under him as he is loving God the Father and he fully obeyed God the Father. That by the end of the day, all things will be honoring and all will be together. Because only Jesus fully, truly holds all things together. If Christ was not raised, his death was in vain. It was empty. Your faith in him would be pointless and your sins would still be counted against you with no hope for eternity. Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. So this whole resurrection thing is a big deal. That's why we make a big deal out of it. Because everything we believed about God hangs on this. Everything that Jesus said, whether we like it or not, hangs on this. All the invitations God has for us today hangs on this truth. So I'm going to repeat that question. Are you leaving as if that is true? Is your life making a statement that Jesus is really no longer in the grave? Because for some of us, we can believe that it's an old lie that when the disciples or the women went to look for Jesus, they went to the wrong tomb. Like they just, you know, they were supposed to make a first right turn. But somehow they were talking so much, they made the third turn. And they were like, oh man, he's no longer in the grave. They went to a wrong tomb. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> my favorite is like, these guys were hallucinating. Like all these guys were just like, yo, hallucination, man. You can believe that. You can believe that they went to the wrong tomb. Or they were hallucinating about his resurrection. Or there's this thing that's called the Sun Theory. That Jesus blacked out. Like, you know, all the things they did to him. He just blacked out. And, and some of you, you understand what blackout can do to you. You know, come on. Come on now. Oh, the biggest lie that even the Bible addressed was that they stole his body. That his disciples figured out a way of going there to steal his body. 
go around all over the world preaching about him, dying for him, and then the next people the same, and up until today. That all this was started because some guy stole a body. You can believe that, but it doesn't hold water. Because for me, even in this time where a lot of people are afraid, where the church has been through so many things, the only thing that makes sense that the church still is around is that Jesus has been building his church. That Jesus has been at it. That on the rock that he is Christ the Lord, Jesus was choosing to build his church. Even when we're all freaking out, even when we don't know what to do, even when it's complicated, even when we want to quit and close churches, Jesus is building his church. And he has been doing that for the longest time. Now, if what Paul says is true, then the resurrection is really waiting. And, and this is some of the things I wanted to say that the resurrection, therefore, means there's no sin with more power than the cross. Meaning that the sin that keeps you up at night, the sin that you still haven't forgiven yourself, doesn't carry water, doesn't hold water, because Jesus fully paid for that sin. The resurrection also means that there's freedom from sin and forgiveness. Forgiveness from all that we have done, all that we will do. Because sometimes we feel like if we say it that way, maybe we don't love God enough. But dude, Jesus paid for your past, present, and future sins. You are not the ones paying for your future sins. Jesus did. He said, on the cross he said it is finished. It's fully paid. He paid for the good of that sin. He paid for the punishment of that sin. He paid for the shame of that sin. He paid for all the consequences of that sin. He paid with death, meaning he removed the power of death for the sins that we've committed. That's not a small thing. So the resurrection is a big deal. Death has no sting. And there's hope for those that die. That if you die in the Lord, Paul said it, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then those that died in Jesus, we should feel sorry for them. But no! Death has no sting. They will rise again. Jesus is no longer in the grave. The resurrection also means God cares for you every day. God chooses to care for you every day. He's choosing to care for me every day. And that we can run to God who did not hold anything but gave us his only son. With all our worries, with all our anxieties, with all the troubles of this world. So when, because Jesus rose from the dead, when you hear Jesus says, cast your anxiety to me, that is not a suggestion 
That is not a good plan. It's the truth that will set you free from being defined by your fears, from being defined by your struggles. Because Jesus offers you freedom where the only thing we can offer him is our sin. Jesus, in turn, takes our sin and pays for it and handles us something we don't deserve. His righteousness. That in Christ we're not only alive, but we've been made alive and righteous. That God looks at us and goes like, there goes my blameless son and my blameless daughter. And I'm here, I'm like, God, you have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea how bad my day was. And like, there we go. Because God cannot say, where is your righteousness? Christ paid for it. <laughs> Christ gave me his righteousness. And what the resurrection means is that Jesus is alive. So as I'm closing, I want to say this. Your life is lived in view of the resurrection. Let me put it in everyday language. Your work is in view of the resurrection. Not simply because you are able, not because you are educated, not because you need some money. No, 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 no. It's because of the resurrection. The resurrection changes how you look and how you do love, how you do work, how you serve, how you believe, how you trust, how you give. The resurrection changes that. Actually, the uh, resurrection does not just change it, it informs it. How we do these things is based on the resurrection, not based on what we want, what we prefer, and how this might go for us. The resurrection is a big deal. The resurrection is a big deal. So as we're wrapping up, this resurrection, has it changed who you are? Has it changed how you're living? Why you're living? And how we're saving? Because that's what God offers. That come to me and I will make you. What? Fishers of men? I will make you. Lovers of God? I will make you. New people? I will make you. Alive, the old is gone, the new has come. And and, and if, if you've never heard the gospel, this is it. Our selfishness, our pride, and our choosing self continuously and not wanting anything to do with God. God took that on himself. Our rejection, our abandoning, our choosing other things, God took that on himself. And where we could not make sacrifices enough to pay because they only covered. Jesus came and fully paid and even said, my blood was shed to wash away, not cover, to wash away the sins of the world. So here is it. There's no sin with more power than the resurrection. The resurrection was God's way of stamping history with the words paid in full. It's all been paid in full. Not a little bit. So my invitation is I want you to leave 
people who's been given something in full because Jesus has done that. God declared paid in full so that no one will miss it in history. So what statement is your life making about the resurrection? Jesus says, come to me, those of you who are weary and tired, and I will give you rest. And a lot of us don't have rest because we put help, our hope and we look for help and that hope in other things. But Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our help. And Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That where death looks like it's this deadly thing that's going to destroy us and lend our lives meaningless becomes to live is Christ to die is gain because we gain when we are in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ and as we live we proclaim the grace, the mercies and the kindness of God let me pray for you Jesus thank you for today for those of us that have heard your good news or been reminded of the good news we surrender our sins and our pursuit to be Lord of our own lives. We pray that you take over every part of our lives and you completely change us forever. For the sake of your name, for the glory of your kingdom. Amen. Love you, family. I'm hoping to see you in.